Greetings, listeners, and welcome aboard Costume Station Zero. I'm Bob Mitch, and I'm here with my good friend, Mr. Andrew Elkins. How's it going, Bob? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Awesome. You might know Andrew from uh, Geek Regeneration, or uh, with his excellent uh, third or fourth doctor from Doctor Who, uh, Brigadier, and of course, he is an all-around Renaissance Fair costumer. So, um, I like to start at the beginning. We did kind of cover this in the Halloween podcast, but for those who came in late, how did you get started in cosplay? Yeah, um, obviously, I feel like a lot of people obviously start their cosplay when they're you know young and doing Halloween. They yeah, always want to dress. They always want to dress up as their favorite character. Mm-hmm. It's whether or not that sticks with you as you move into adulthood right. that uh, that it goes. So you know, obviously, I started off with you know your your typical Marvel or DC characters that you buy from the store, mm-hmm. and then kind of wanted to be Indiana Jones. So you know, I kind of threw that together. Mm-hmm. But uh, as I kind of went into fan clubs, like I was uh, in a Doctor Who fan club, I was in a Star Trek fan club, and you start kind of getting those pieces either from cons or you mm-hmm. borrow pieces from other people. Um, you really start taking on that you know cosplaying persona sort of thing mm-hmm. and uh and then when you get to an adult and you have a little bit more money or you scrounge to find a little bit more money and you upgrade your costumes then you kind of go full bore and gets out of control like some of us <laughs> yeah it's it's a quiet form of insanity uh but you know hey we we're all uh, we're all in the crazy house together yeah, it's, it's a it's a passionate hobby there you go passionate hobby i like that mm-hmm. i'm gonna take that um so it sounds like uh you know because i talked to a lot of people at halloween and there's some people that are all about oh i wanted to be a scary ghoul monster whatever and then there's people it seems more on the cosplay end who they wanted to be their favorite character from name that comic or show or, or movie or whatnot and i feel like that's that's kind of where we were. I mean, that was where I always came from on Halloween. Yeah, I mean, I always found myself, um, you know, wanting to portray my favorite characters outside of Halloween. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I had my, you know, short sleeve Star Trek Mm t-shirt that uh, a lot of kids had back in the 70s. Not to date yourself. (laughs) Not to date myself Mm -hmm. at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And I remember wearing it at summer camp and Mm -hmm. just running around and, and, and... Pretending to be Captain Kirk, mm-hmm. and, you know, always on an away mission, always kind of, they didn't call it an away mission back then, right, right. Um, but always, you know, beaming down to the planet mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and trying to investigate stuff out. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's it just one of those things where, you know, people who like play D and D and really try and take on other characters like, okay, that's great for tabletop, but now I want to just go out and play. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, obviously that's where cosplay came from is costume play. True. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, that was a huge part of my life. You know, obviously, I, I mean, I collected a ton of action figures, so I was always creating stories. So mm-hmm. it just kind of went in, in that line where you're kind of, your mind's so creative that you don't want to just kind of keep it encapsulated into your home. Mm-hmm. You kind of want to make that into part of your daily life. Um, whether that, and these days it's more about, okay, you know, more geek fashion. Right. Bring that into your day life mm-hmm. versus wearing costumes in public. Mm-hmm. Um but as a kid, you know, sure, I was going to school with my Captain Kirk shirt on. Now, I have to ask you, were you made fun of at all for wearing that shirt at school? Absolutely. Okay. But it didn't matter. Time mm-hmm. recess came around, and I had a group of friends, and we went to the playground, and we went to, the, like, the, we, it was living on the East Coast, so we had, like, a wooded area mm-hmm. by our school. We would go in there, and we'd literally, you know, run around, make sure we weren't shot by Klingons, and, <laughs> and, uh, and always look for the missing red shirts. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I envy the kids that don't get made fun of for the geek stuff today, but uh, I, I do feel like it makes it, I don't know, a little less special in a way. I don't know. Yeah, I, I have, unfortunately, I still have a feeling that there's still, 
you know, there's still those clicks and people mm. still get bullied for being passionate about anything. It doesn't necessarily have to be, a, to be a geek yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I just think that obviously it's a lot different mm -hmm. these days because most, I mean, I think technology has pretty much ruined really cosplaying in, in, as a, as a youth because they're more interested in obviously playing video games mm -hmm. or, or that sort of stuff. And they may go into the, they, you know, obviously, I, you know, I don't know because we're not kids anymore. Right. Um, but uh, I would think that, um, you know, they may be skewed more towards if they're going to play act something, mm -hmm. they may play act something more video game oriented than television oriented. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Uh, no, makes total sense. I'm sure that will be the next generation of, of cosplay. We'll see a far more video game. Well, I cosplay. think, I think that BlizzCon and conventions like that mm -hmm. are definitely are creating that that separate cosplay genre. Mm. Um, I mean, they have a huge costume contest at BlizzCon. That's mm. all about creating, you know, these characters from the video games. Well, you know, and, and yeah, yeah, it makes sense. The and, way we, that, and we see that at Comic Con already. Mm -hmm. There's there's a good chunk of cosplaying done by video games. Mm -hmm. And I mean, if, as long as it's a video game that I have a touchstone to, if you're doing a character from Super Mario or on a Pac-Man or something, you know, I will know that. I'll yeah. Like, oh, okay. That's cool. <laughs> so it's all a matter of generational too. Absolutely. Uh, so when do you feel you made the crossover from just dressing up, as you say, uh, and just having fun as a kid to, this is my first cosplay. I think I did that in college. Mm -hmm. Um, because that's when we really took the playing part to a more of an adult, more complex, more advanced level. Mm -hmm. Basically, um, I'm going to steal this from a friend. We're basically playing the same game we play as kids with better props. Sure. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, in college, that's when you're obviously really, you know, have the ability to find your, your, your close niche group of people that you have the same interests in mm -hmm. and do something that's really beyond the scope of things that you could think of before. Mm -hmm. So I met up with a, a lot of college friends and we we're doing a live action role playing game. Mm -hmm. And so putting my costumes together to take on these personas and spend the next 24, 48 hours in character mm -hmm. was definitely a huge immersion to actually cosplaying, mm -hmm. which might be a little bit stepping over the cosplay line because you're actually role playing. Yeah. But it certainly got that, that spark lit into a flame. Mm -hmm. So obviously I have a ton of costumes from my, from my LARPing days, but we would, you know, we'd play other games, you know, we'd like, play Highlander tag. So literally <laughs> I had, I had a foam sword mm -hmm. tucked in my trench coat mm -hmm. during the day at campus. And if I had to come across someone else playing that game, there could be only one. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, that's the kind of the fun that you get to do in college. Mm -hmm. Um, after college, you know, I became seriously immersed in Renaissance fairs. I fell in love with Renaissance fairs, mm -hmm. um, wherein, you don't necessarily have to be in character twenty four seven. You can you can break it a little bit. You can you can push the envelope of that mm -hmm. um, with the customers. Um, so you know, I ended up getting a ton of costumes that way. But in doing such, it kind of brought me back to you know conventions that I went to when I was a youth, whether they be doctor conventions, creation conventions, Star Trek conventions, and it reminded me of where I really came from. Mm -hmm which was that, that genre. And it made me miss kind of like, you know, I had a scarf, a really bad jacket and a really mm -hmm. bad hat when mm -hmm. I was, when I was, you know, in my teens, I, I thought I was doing great. You know, Hey, I love Tom Baker and I'm, I'm just going to show that to the world. Mm -hmm. But boy, did I not look anything like the costume that I have now. Mm -hmm. It took, it took a real focus and a real desire to, to perfect that as an adult and to really pay homage to, in my mind, you know, that character. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I feel that obviously cosplaying is, you, you know, you're passionate about a character. You're passionate enough that you want to put on that persona. Sure. 
No, and, very true. Um, and the joy that I get from cosplaying, and I, I assume a lot of people do, is is more the reaction that you get from people when you do really good cosplay. And I'm sure that even as a Tom Baker fan yourself, Tom to Tom, Tom to Tom, um, the joy that you bring some people because your cosplay is so good mm-hmm. that warms my soul. Oh yeah, and that's and that's really the reward that I get from it because I can I could cosplay Tom in private all day, mm. you know throw on the coat and watch some tv mm-hmm. um but the joy that you bring people and and keeping that character alive especially for newer generations because obviously with new who um there's still a lot of people who haven't gone back and watched old who oh yeah everybody knows the scarf doctor yeah yeah but have they gone back and actually started to watch it and i think that obviously as who continues to build they're going to want more content and they're going you know and with hopefully it being more accessible other than just on dvd mm-hmm. um hopefully that will grow that they do watch some classic who and fall in love with what we consider the original doctor. yeah yeah the yeah the great classics <laughs> the i mean you want to help bring them to the fold yeah. right you want them to encompass all of doctor who not just what's popular now yeah yeah very true um, so, uh, stopping back on the Renfair stuff before we fully dive into Doctor Who, um, how, how does it differ approaching essentially original costuming, but historical, I assume you had to keep an eye on, you know, the periodness of the costume versus an actual character. Well, luckily enough, um, most Renfairs have costume guidelines mm-hmm. for if you're going to participate in it, whether you're an actor or a booth worker um, or someone who has to be in costume because not everyone, everyone who works at a Renaissance fair has to be in costume. Because mm-hmm. you have people who work behind the scenes, sure. um, and they're they're just working. They're there to work. They enjoy the community, but they don't necessarily feel like they need to get in costume. Mm-hmm. But the entertainers and the booth workers, they they do get some joy from that. Mm-hmm. And so there's costume guidelines. So you, there's there's a color range that there's colors that are good and colors that are bad. Mm-hmm. Like as anyone who anyone below the queen, you can't wear purple. Mm. Purple was a really hard color to come by. Mm-hmm. So only the queen could wear purple. If you wore black, that meant you had money. Mm-hmm. So you had to kind of think about what your position was. I mean, okay, if you worked at a merchant shop, um, you usually were either a peasant or a very low middle class. So you wouldn't have fine leathers or you wouldn't have, um, you know, any beads or any gemstones, you know, decorating your costume. Mm-hmm. You were poor. Mm-hmm. You worked for your, your daily money so that you could just keep your family afloat. Mm-hmm. It's like today. Um, <laughs> um, so you would go, you know, there, you know, there's several different costume shops. Some people would build their stuff. Mm. I am not a builder. I'm going to claim that right now. I, I've built practically zero of my costumes. I've, I've had them built for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you go and either you build it yourself because they're, you know, they, they can instruct you on how to do some of that stuff. And some of that stuff's pretty easy because peasant stuff, very easy. I mean, it's almost rags just kind of stitched together. Sure. And as long as you had a shirt and a jerkin and um, some pants and some boots or shoes, you're in pretty good shape. And a hat. You always had to wear a hat. Right. Yeah. And keep in mind, doing rent fairs in California is different, obviously, than doing rent fairs in other parts of the country. But here's the thing. When you're doing a rent fair... They were having kind of an ice age back in Elizabethan times. Here we are in California trying to do a Ren fair, and ah. it's 105 degrees. Mm-hmm. So here I am in my leather jerkin and my hat, and you're sweating buckets. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of important to really know how to take care of yourself when you're putting in costume. And this applies, obviously, for conventions, too. If you're mm-hmm. not hydrating yourself, you're not making sure you're not eating. Um, if you're going to do a Photoshop shoot outside in the sun, you know, sunscreen, they all kind of still apply. Mm-hmm. So you learn a lot by doing Ren Fairs, but it's pretty, it's pretty hardcore on you in, in costume, you know, with regards to 
doing that for anywhere from five to seven weeks in a row. Right, right, because it, it literally is half acting. You're in, yeah. except you're like on stage. Right. So you have time. to you have to learn the language. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least basic, as they call it, basic fair accent. Mm-hmm. So you, you you learn some of the words like forsooth, like mm-hmm. huzzah. And you kind of twinge it with a little bit of an English accent, not too modern, mm-hmm. and you, and you get away with it, pretty mm-hmm. good. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, um, I'm a uh, as people can imagine, I'm a costume horror, so I have a ton of Renaissance fair costumes. I started small, but I've been doing Renaissance fairs since the early '90s, mm-hmm. and at one point in time, I was probably buying a new costume every year, mm-hmm. and. As I got, as I pretty much bought from probably every vendor at fair, I pretty much ran out of things to buy. So I had plenty of things to cycle through. So sure. instead, I was, you know, I was buying costumes for other people because I thought they looked cool in them. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that, I mean, that was like my first real diving into just kind of real serious costume dressing up. What's been uh, your your favorite ensemble that you've worn at Ren Fair? My favorite ensemble that I wore at Ren Fair is one of the last few years I I worked at the Irwindale Fair. Um, uh, the the costumer there, um, we were doing some fun stuff. We just turned the the village from like a countryside village to a, like a port town. Mm, mm-hmm. We changed kind of the direction of the creative, and so they were bringing all these international. Um, people and flair into the fair to help kind of broaden it because you want the fair to grow all the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, we worked out a costume where, um, I, I purchased a, a Kosaki. So I was a Russian from the Renaissance period. And that mm-hmm. was literally my favorite costume. Also one of my lightest. Nice. So it wasn't, you know, it was nice. It was black wool, but it was like, I had a, kind of like nice flowy robes mm-hmm. and a sash and my little, my, my, Kind of, it wasn't like a babushka hat, but it was kind of a cool looking mm-hmm. hat, more fez like, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's got yeah. a little tassel. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, it was it was my fun one, and I'm actually 50 percent Russian, so you know, I, I learned my little Russian accent, nice. and so mm-hmm. I, I, even though I was at the time running the show, I'm one of the few general managers out there that got into costume. I felt it was really important, you know, you need to lead by example. Oh, of course. And, uh, and so that was, that's, that's how I felt. So, yeah. So I literally became the Russian ambassador, When I had time I would play in the streets, but I was always running around in costume. That, that part never got away from me, even though they kind of wanted me to stop wearing costumes mm-hmm. and, and kind of be a little bit more professional. Like, mm-hmm. you know what? It's rent fair. I'm going to interact with our customers in costume. Mm-hmm. I, I understand that there's a serious customer service issue. I can handle that from my costume. Yes. Right, what, right. Where they're at a rent fair. Why am I going to try and break the illusion by being in, in a polo? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, uh, I think it's better to look like you're part of the event than, mm-hmm. you know, the guy with the stick up his butt who doesn't really, he's like, ah. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so the, so the Russian Kosaki was like, was my favorite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, you said you've also done a, like a pirate version of these kinds? Yeah, yeah. There's a bunch of pirate festivals that take place in California. So I have a, a really long, like, pirate coat and a surcoat that goes underneath it and you know and uh you know you get your your tricorn hat or you know your your more period it's they're very similar in nature but Mm -hmm. obviously you have a lot more creative leeway sure when it comes to being a pirate Mm -hmm. you know with skulls and crossbones and so you know i had you know like i had like a snake bone necklace and you know you you can wear more gaudy jewelry right you know obviously you don't want to come across like you're you know a gaudy you know costume store pirate mm-hmm. but you want to you know, you want to come across you know a little bit you know a little bit more flair mm-hmm. so you know you're wearing sashes you're wearing more a little bit more fancy boots or you could be like really a you know like a ship hand you know 
and kind of be really, you know, dirty and tatters and, you know, but that's not me though. So <laughs> now do you distress these costumes a lot or you're just kind of, some people do, mm -hmm. some people do, but, uh, you know, I probably put a little bit too much money into my costume to sure. distress it. Mm -hmm. uh, and most of the time when I do these festivals, I'm a merchant. So mm -hmm. I usually want my costumes to be, you know, look, obviously look a little bit better, but you know, mm -hmm. you wear them enough and they become distressed on their own. Right. So mm -hmm. it, it does make them a little bit more period. Mm -hmm. I, I, I totally get that when you're doing uh, any of these characters, how much do you put into historical research versus just kind of winging it? I think I think when I first started doing Ren Faire, I did put in a little bit more research into what a character would be like, you know, what, what would a merchant be like at that time. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't necessarily come up with a character per se, mm -hmm. a historical character, but I would come up with basically a, a fictitious character that would have been there at that time. Mm -hmm. Right. In the beginning. Obviously, when I went started going to work for the festival, there wasn't a lot of time for that. Mm -hmm. So, um, as, as fun as it is to be able to create this the whole world for people, it became more work for me. Mm -hmm. So less time to be creative in that matter, except for my Russian ambassador. That was my, my little outlet. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Uh, I mean, it's, it, it seems like that's always a neat way to be free of the shackles of screen accuracy. You can just have fun with a cool look and, you know, if, so, if something isn't purely historically accurate, but it looks neat, you can try that for a while. And then if you want to bump it up, you can always bump it up. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's not that far off. I mean, obviously, we see a lot of steampunk mm -hmm. at Comic-Con and, and other places. Mm -hmm. And that genre is pretty much birthed out of a cross between, obviously, you know, H.G. Wells and Victorian era. Mm -hmm. Well, there are Dickens festivals. I do a Dickens festival as well. And so they just, you know, it's that creativity grows and expands. Mm -hmm. And so... You're, you see people in Renaissance Fair costumes at Comic-Con or at comic book conventions, and you see them in pirate outfits, and they don't necessarily playing characters that you recognize. They're just like, this is my cool costume, mm -hmm. and I want people to see it. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's that's great, you know? Because, I mean, there is obviously the diehard cosplayer who's taking on the character that they're taking on, and they're trying to be as screen accurate or as accurate as they can to you know the comic or, or whatever. Um, but there are those people who are more about, I'm going to create this cool costume. And, and steampunk really... Opens up that oh, door yeah. for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's sure. great stuff. And obviously, you know, there's a ton of mashups that happen because of these other genres like Ren Faire's and Pirates and, and, and Steampunk, right? like, you know, the Steampunk Iron Man. Or, right. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it allows for a ton of creativity. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I've seen some really amazing Steampunk stuff, the, the Steampunk Ghostbuster and yeah, Puzzle well, Year yeah. and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. Really neat stuff. Um, so from your perspective, running a Ren Faire, and I understand that costumes are part and parcel of a Ren Faire. Uh, I assume there are people that attend Ren Faire also in costume, not just the people running it. Um, but um, do you feel, and obviously it's an accepted part, just like at conventions, costuming now is a much more accepted part of just the culture. It's uh, much less the minority. It's now almost the majority. Uh, do you feel that there's any particular upsides or downsides to this from, from the management point of view? I think the upside is I think people who come in costume to run fairs, pirate fairs, any type of those festivals, they feel more connected to what's going on. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if that necessarily applies to a comic book convention because um, I don't get that I don't get that same feeling because I think that um, people go to a comic book convention they don't necessarily know what they're going to see. Mm. When they go to a run fair, they know what they're going to see. When they go to a pirate festival, they know what they're getting into. Right. True. Um, so they become part of that world because that world is kind of encapsulated in history mm -hmm. in some aspect. 
So they they become part of that world and they can interact in that world. And most people who come in costume either tend to at some point end up working at a Renaissance fair or they just die hard and they're there every day. Mm-hmm. Like I actually started off as a customer. Sure. And just got sucked into that world and worked my way all the way to the top. Mm-hmm. So I think it only enhances people's experience. Um, I think obviously there's you know, not everybody who dresses up for a run fair is dressing up historically accurate. Mm-hmm. And I think that's perfectly acceptable for a customer to come dressed to a Renaissance fair or a pirate festival, however they want to come dressed. Mm-hmm. And I think that because cosplay and, and geek society is becoming more mainstream, that people have stretched how they want to come to um, run fairs and the like. Obviously, a lot of them have time traveler days. So oh, yeah. a lot of people show up in Doctor Who costumes mm-hmm. or they show up as... You know, like the five hundred first will come into a Ren fair and walk through. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that that creates a spectacle, mm-hmm. um, which I think may be the point. Yeah, um, does it take away from what a Ren fair is? I, I think it does, mm-hmm. um, but never as a, from a management point of view do you put a quash on your customers' level of enjoyment. Mm-hmm. And that's what they want to do, as long as it's you know family friendly and not mm-hmm. obscene more power to them. Mm-hmm. They, they are just bringing along their enthusiasm mm-hmm. and they love friend fairs. And it's not like, you're not going to go do that at an event. You don't feel comfortable doing that at. True. True. Uh, I've heard of uh, star Trek away teams uh, doing mm-hmm. this at Ash from army of darkness. That L- let yeah. me tell you my, one of my first experiences at the Ren fair. And it was, I think it was the year I was a customer. Um, there's a, a lot of festivals have like service organizations. They call friends affair or, uh, you know, basically, some sort of where you can come uh, and join and kind of get initiated into the fair. Mm-hmm. My first time I went in my costume, my costume was not even close to being period. Mm-hmm. And I basically had like an off the shoulder cape and a shirt and I wasn't wearing a doublet and I had like Indian moccasins on and I was yeah. carrying my sword. And so I, I joined friends affair and I'm, I'm, I'm and I was very shy. So I'm, I was interacting with you know some people and over in the corner and kind of in the shade, you know, under a tree is a guy sitting in a cloak. And I'm like, well, that's kind of odd. And then the closer I looked, the more I noticed that under his cloak, he had a Starfleet uniform on. And I'm like, he's freaking out on a away mission yeah. at the fair. <laughs> and he's trying to blend, blend in. in. And I thought, like, that's, you know, from the geek in me, like, that's freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I appreciated that a lot, mm-hmm. actually. Um, and, I, and I think that people who really play with it in that kind of mentality mm-hmm. are... are playing to the positives of a Renaissance Fair. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they're playing to the positives of themselves. Sure. Yeah. Which, you know, to each their own. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, from from that leap, from the Doctor Who leap, uh, let's talk Fourth Doctor. Because you were probably one of the best Fourth Doctors out there. So, what uh, what made you decide? Because it seems like you pretty much kind of went for the, the season, um, what, 14 look? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think I think I think you're, I think you're dead on right there. I mean, I you know to be honest with you, um, I you know my I, I've gone through periods of like I know a ton about Tom and and that and and his you know seven years of being doctor to like I've forgotten most of it mm-hmm. to I'm relearning it because there's a, I mean I went twenty years without pretty much watching Doctor Who because mm-hmm. it was pretty much wasn't on DVD yet mm-hmm. you know it's not like I had it really on videotape so it was you know it's like from memory. Yeah, and if you're not getting kind of you know hit over the head with it being available to you, you kind of like it becomes just kind of 
a memory. Yeah, you lose track of it. You lose track of it. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't matter how many books you have. If you get too busy in your life, which I was pretty busy. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I had an image and I, I was pretty much going off. You know what? I, I looked at the picture that this is the Tom outfit I want to do. Mm -hmm. And, and that's kind of what I did, you know, and, and as I said before, I don't really make any of my costumes. So I have a really good, having been at the Ren Fair, I have a really good friend who makes costumes mm -hmm. and uh, I enlisted his help. And since then, he's obviously helped me build pretty much all my costumes, um, except for mostly the Brigadier, which was me piecing it together from actually vintage historic pieces. But I'm sure we'll get to that in a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so we mostly went off, uh, you know, pictures i mean i know that i you know use the web a little bit to take a look at some stuff but we literally kind of did a lot of our own legwork mm -hmm. probably didn't have to yeah <laughs> um i mean really i guess it really all started with the fact that i had a scarf that my grandmother made 30 years ago mm -hmm. it wasn't accurate but it was accurate enough for me sure and i'm like well i want to go to comic-con being tom baker wearing my grandmother's scarf mm-hmm and that's kind of really where all where it started. Okay. Um, and so yeah, so um, yeah, we're talking about literally like right the the turnover from Sarah Jane to Leela is kind of where that outfit fits in. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, so you know, I kind of already had the pants from my Dickens outfit because I, ha I had gray pants, which always helps. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, the, obviously, the hardest part is sourcing any fabric for his vest waistcoat. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. the Chuck waistcoat. The Chuck waistcoat. Mm -hmm. Of course, that, you know, not, not an easy one to, to, to kind of go after, but that's kind of what I really wanted. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, so we did a lot of fabric shopping downtown and obviously was never pleased with any fabric that I found. Mm -hmm. um, but I found a, a pretty decent, you know, you know, plaid there that uh, I thought, you know, that was close to his herringbone. Mm -hmm. um, it's cashmere, actually. Of all, I never noticed that. Yeah, really. if, yeah. You, if you touch it, it's actually cashmere. We actually, it was a lot. It was more white. We dyed it so it was more yellow. Mm -hmm. um, but it, from a distance, I think it kind of gives away that that look because mm -hmm. it's kind of got the right color color tones. Mm -hmm. um, the coat was wholly created by the customer just based on pictures. And then my input on how many damn pockets I wanted. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so there are three uh, inside pockets on each side. Is this for Sonics and for anything, anything. and everything I could put in this coat? Because mm -hmm. we all know that Tom had, you know, over his the course of obviously his seven years, he had a ton of stuff in his mm -hmm. coat. Yeah. And just the list of what he was pulling out of his coat in Robot mm -hmm. was plenty enough oh, yeah. as it was. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm like, how do I fit all this stuff into my coat plus have places for my real world stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so there's three inside pockets on each side. Um, there's the two main pockets in the front on the outside. Mm -hmm. uh, the two back pockets, both of which we saw, uh, you can see in all the pictures. Mm -hmm. um, so you at least see those four pockets yeah. on the coat. And then I have two pockets in my tail, mm -hmm. um, which are just there because, you know, you're going to have that open, those tails, you're going to have the tail coat pockets. Okay. I don't really use them, mm -hmm. but they're there. Okay. So that, that makes a total of what, you know, 12 pockets in the coat. A lot of pockets. That's a lot of pockets. Mm -hmm. And I do a pretty good job of filling all of them, except for the ones that are in the tail because, mm -hmm. you know, I have to sit down sometimes. Yeah, true. Um, you're right. Cause you've got to have jelly babies. Right? You got to have jelly babies and you have to have spare jelly babies. So mm -hmm. if you're not, you, you don't want to carry a bag. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one bag of jelly babies isn't going to go very far if you're actually handing them out to people. Oh yeah. Um, so you at least have to get two into a, 
into, into your pocket. <laughs> mm-hmm. So usually I have a bag underneath my bag so mm-hmm. I can refill. Yep. Yep. Um, the away. hat, um, uh, you know, we came off of the one of the, obviously one of the promo shots because I got the beaver felt hat. Yep. And that thing is amazing. I mean, the guy who did it was from Western Costumes who built it. He actually retired. Oh wow! And uh, that just that thing's just amazing. Yeah, it's a gorgeous hat. Yeah. So what you caught him right before he retired? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. My customer uh, went to him and basically showed him the picture and said, "Can you build this?" And he said, "Absolutely." And luckily, we caught him because I'm like, like. I was talking to my customer said, yeah, you measured my head for without the wig. We need a wig so the yes, hat fits. Yes. So I almost had the hat finished before mm-hmm. um, I got the wig, which mm-hmm. would have been really bad because the hat would never fit because like my hat size is like a half a hat size larger with the wig on. Mm-hmm. And of course, the wig is super tough. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. to get it right. Like my wig looks great with my hat on it. Mm-hmm. I never take my hat off because it doesn't look good without it. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. Or, or you get the uh, the wig head hair, but yeah, um, the um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a tough wig. I mean, I lucked out uh, getting mine when I was shopping for some stuff. I think for um, a wholly other costume, and uh, Scott was with me, and he spotted this wig, and he's like, "Hey, put that on." And I'm like, I don't know. And he's like, "No, trust me, put that on." And I did, and I'm like, "Holy crap!" He just found yeah. the perfect Tom Baker wig. So so yeah, so I'm actually on the on the warpath to go get a wig that I can wear without the hat. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm one of my next few cosplays is I'm going to get myself a, a different season of of, Tom? of, of Tom. So the Tom, I can, so, I can, mm-hmm. so I can so I can mix it up a little bit. Oh yeah, if you want, uh, remind me. I'll, I'll tell you what I got because I know the brand and everything. So. Okay, mm-hmm. good to know. Uh, but yeah, um, it's uh, oh, man uh, diving down the Tom Baker rabbit hole. Yeah. It's um, it's addicting. Yeah, yeah. and um, you know, I mean. Do I consider, you know, mine screen accurate? I obviously don't because, um, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've read your, your blog and I've, mm-hmm. I've seen your costume and, and I, I admire it a lot. Um, but I kind of, I was kind of just like, you know, this is what it looks like. And that's kind of what I wanted to go with. Like, I, you know, obviously my brown is not what the screen accurate color would have been for the coat. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly my um, cravat should be a lot more maroon than it is red. Well, he had different ones, though. That's, that is true. Mm-hmm. That is true. Um, but still, I mean, I haven't seen a lot of pictures for as, as bright red as mine. But it really, I mean, it does, it gets still across mm-hmm. what, you know, I hoped it would, which is what looks like a, a pretty accurate. Right. Well, the whole thing tied together is what it was what sells that costume in terms of the textures, the colors, the tones, um, the uh, as you say, the that great hat, and and it's to me, it's like yeah, that's late season fourteen Tom Baker. I, I understand it, but yeah. you know, and I think most other people just think Tom Baker. Yeah, you know? I mean, most people aren't as exacting as you would be, or, or as I I could be. Um, obviously I was super exacting when it came to my Brigadier outfit though. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are levels of which I've obviously am willing to go to. Cause obviously I, you know, I keep, keep in mind, keeping in mind that there's obviously a time crunch sometimes to get your costume done. Yeah. So if you can't, if you can't find the right, you know, kind of velvet kind of, you know, right. I mean, I don't even know what to call the color. It's, it's, yours has a lot more red in it. Well, that's because I did the burgundy version right. of the brown. Right. So, and, and I understand because I used to think they were the same coat, but they're not. So, um, you were going for the brown one, right, which I would right. just consider a chocolate brown. Do you, do you, I mean, you tell me, I mean, I've, I've never actually really had someone dissect, you know, the actual outfit. Do you mean, mm-hmm. how, I mean, what do you think of that brown? 
Well, it's fine. Um, I mean, it's it's a suede, right? So, it's a faux suede. Faux suede. Yeah. So, I mean, because it's suede, there's some times where the light hits it a little brighter than others. Yeah. But it all depends on, you know, what are you standing under? You know, it's the same thing with any of the velvets that I right. wear. Um, I When I did the burgundy, you know, I searched for months to find a burgundy that... Because a lot of velvets are great, but a lot of velvets have that that uh, that bounce. Yeah. And I tried to find something that had a low bounce, and it was really rich, and it kind of soaked the light mm -hmm. as opposed to bounced the light. We did a good job on that, by the way. Yeah, well, it's, <laughs> it's, it just took a lot of time. Uh, but yeah, so that to me is the thing. The brown coat to me, though, doesn't. It is not. It's like a tick less rich than the burgundy, so you can get away with it being a little more of um, the sheen. I gotcha. Guess. So I think it looks fine. Huh. Yeah. No, I, I never had an issue with that. I was always like, wow. I mean, I just thought the read was really good. I mean, yeah, I mean, there was a part of me going, oh, you went with suede instead of velvet, but I'm like, but it works. I was like, it has the right kind of read and there's still a nap. And you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good, good. Uh, no, I'm, that makes me happy for some reason. <laughs> no, no you, you, want, you want me to say, no, here's everything you got wrong. Um, I was definitely jealous of the hat, but at some point I got to get me the, the green hat someday. Uh, yeah. one day. Well, even the person, from what my customer said, the person he thinks that even though the person retired who was supposed to made my hat, the person mm. who took over for him probably did a lot of work on it. Because oh. I'm going to actually have to replace my hat at some point because it's starting to get a little, I mean, my hat has a lot more... Um, it has more of a frame to it than Tom's because I mean Tom just took Tom's his, yeah floppy he just, he just mm -hmm. crumbled it up and put it in his pocket all the mm -hmm. damn time because mm -hmm. he didn't want to wear it yeah um, but I can't really do that with my hat because it's got a lot more structure to it no so does mine yeah um, so but it's starting to get a little weak from you know it being on my head all the time mm -hmm. so um, I'm probably gonna have to at some point get a new one because mm -hmm. I think that the structure is starting what well, if the structure starts falling apart a bit then I can actually crumple up and put it in my pocket but sure. it won't it won't keep its form when it pops back out which mm -hmm. I never knew how his did. So, well, here's the thing is they could have just prepped his hat, you know, off, offset. Cause that's you know, true. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's all, that's what wardrobe is for. <laughs> well, I mean, I know for Davison, they had a, here's the hat you wear and then here's the crumpled hat and here's yeah. the hat you can actually crumple on camera. So they had three different hats yeah. and I would imagine we, the same thing. Yeah. You can't really do that when you're cosplaying. Mm -hmm. no, no, no. So you either, you kind of have to stick with the hat you got mm -hmm. or crumple up one and put it in a pocket and then just fling it around your hand for a while and stick it back in your pocket. It's true. Well, I know that's actually what threw me trying to do the season 12 hat because, um, the crown as it's supposed to be keeps changing as you go further into the season because he keeps, he keeps crumpling it up. So every time he's putting it on his head, it looks pretty good, but the crown shape keeps changing. And it got to the point where I'm like, is he wearing different hats? I'm like, no, it, that's just how it ended up on his head for that shot. So you have to just pick pick what you like. Yeah. Go with that. Um, so, you know, it seems, I feel like, I mean, your Brigadier's great, your Third Doctor's great, but I feel like you're mostly known for doing four. What's been the reaction that you've had wearing this costume? Uh, it's been great. I mean, I get a lot of, oh my God, you're, and I'm a pretty humble person, but you know, they, they get a lot of, oh my God, you're like the best fourth I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I was in Phoenix for the first time, um, last weekend. Mm -hmm. And, um, so there's a lot of people there who had not seen it. So it's just, you know, a lot of people who get that, that giddy feeling yeah. and, and, and you love when people get giddy over Tom. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not, it's not about me. You're getting giddy over Tom Baker, not me. Yeah, so yeah. All I'm doing is, is giving you that representation and reminding you of something that you love. And, uh, and if you want to get giddy and happy about it, I am that, that, that gives, that, that warms your soul. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's, and that's really, and I, I love, I love wearing Tom so much because he, of all the ones I do, he gets the most of, of that kind of reaction mm -hmm. and, um, and having, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't think I looked anything like Tom until I put it all together. Oh Yeah. I don't, I mean, unless I had that wig on, I definitely don't think I look like Tom at all. Uh, no. Um, 
and um, and actually it was you that helped me come up with um, my open-eyed stare. Oh, right. The first time I, I, I was out there, I was just so happy. I was smiling all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I'd take pictures with people and I would just be like, smile, I'll just smile. Mm-hmm. I didn't really have a cosplay pose or anything or mm-hmm. any of that. I was just happy to be there. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I'm, but I watched you a little bit and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> Come on, learn from the best. Sure, sure. So, um, but because people are like, they they want to even be more reminded about Tom. It's great if if you know if you if you look like him and you've mm. got got a great costume. But you know if you can really start pulling some of the persona stuff out and being a little bit more playful, mm-hmm. um, that even helps them enjoy the moment more. Mm-hmm. And so so now I kind of give that you know bug eyed you know stare for most of the pictures I take. Which mm-hmm. now you know I'm like I need to come up with some more poses. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I have my four fallback poses. It depends on what what's going on. Yeah. Or you have to be ready to change it up for I don't know something crazy is going on. Yeah. You got to react appropriate. You can't just go to a standard pose. Yeah. Um, definitely. Mm-hmm. I have the right props. Yeah. Um, so I mean, the reaction's been just overwhelming, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. and certainly more than I could possibly have ever expected or imagined. Uh, I mean, you, you definitely are, are well cast as Tom. Uh, and I, it has gotten to the point where if I know you're going to be Tom Baker, I just go, he gets the Tom stage today. I'm going to go do another doctor. I you feel know. bad about that, though. Mm-hmm. I, and I've told that to people. I said, I feel bad if, if, if you know, if I'm overshadowing your Tom. Because I, it's, it's just, it's one of those things where I just go, like, I love doing it and it's great. But I recognize that I can only take it so far. There's a certain point. It's like Kevin when he discovered how close he looked to the governor mm-hmm. for Walking Dead. Which is crazy. Right. Crazy good. Yeah. He wasn't even in costume one day and someone thought he was the governor. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, he was in partial costume. But you know what I'm saying. I he wonder wasn't- how he would look as the next doctor. We've already discussed this many times. <laughs> that's, that's, that right now is kind of my white whale Doctor Who costume. It's been on my list since 2009. and uh, Or 10. Nine. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm trying to remember when it aired. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after it aired. So yeah. Um, I. I still. It's still in the back of my head. I still haven't fully given up. It's just one of those things where the minute it's together, I know that I will put it on once to say I wore it, mm-hmm. and then I'm basically going to hand it to Kevin a lot and say, "Here you go, have fun." And I'm sure he'll begrudgingly wear it because he loves that Capaldi outfit so much. But. Have you worn your Capaldi outfit yet? I have worn it uh, once, but not publicly. And I did wear it when it was almost done, save for the lining to a wedding. Mm-hmm. So, yes. And a funeral, actually. I forgot. I wore it to a funeral. So it's good for that. So, yes, I have. <laughs> but not nearly as much as Kevin. Kevin rocks the crap out of it. He certainly does. Yes. And he, he's better cast. He's got the height. He's got the build. Yeah. yeah. And there comes a point where I'm like, it's like when I look at uh, Kevin Coppa doing the 10th Doctor. I've got a 10. It's a great 10. Mm-hmm. One of the best 10s. Uh, I have put it on twice to say I've worn it, but I've never worn it publicly because I know I'm just I'm just not going to look that good, you know. So it's one of those things where I feel like one day I should do it once to say I did it, and maybe take some good photos because one day I would like to do a Photoshop thing where I'm in all my doctor costumes mm-hmm. and I put myself together on a console or something. Gotcha. Uh, one of these days, but so, sort of like the this small one that uh, Sasha and I yeah. just did. Yes, it's got uh, my brig in the middle with mm-hmm. my third and fourth doctors. That was shot. great. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. she did a great job without actually having a green screen. So I was really oh, wow. impressed. Yeah. yeah, that was all done in that locale, just in different oh, spots. Oh, okay. We, had, nice. we had marked on the ground where mm-hmm. I was standing, and she cut out the background of two of the photos and just kind of inserted the other two. And it's almost seamless. I'm actually, you know, as and this was just our first pass at it. Mm-hmm. The next time we use the green screen, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, it, it's it came out to be a great photo. Yeah, no, that's that's the fun of it, definitely. Um, 
Ah, the lure of Tom. Um, actually, the main thing on my Tom Baker wish list is uh, the boots. I'm, I'm eminent about to order those boots. Yeah, well, let me know because I think that I'm kind of... Uh, I need to talk to you about, obviously, the, the vest part, and I'm going to need a longer scarf, and the, mm-hmm. boots are, the boots are the boots, you know. The boots are the boots. Late, later season Tom, I'm going to need mm-hmm. the boots. All right, yeah, well, that, you, know, you know me, I'm, I'm always here to help. And I'm are, you, are you having those boots made? At, of course I'm having at, them made. At, there isn't a place you can just at, buy at, those. At Durham, at Durham? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, they've already, I've, they have pictures, we've gone over it, they know what to do, I just got to pull the trigger. Yeah. The only thing is they haven't selected the leather yet, and I keep trying to say, I want to see the leather before I pull the trigger. Yeah. And they're like, oh, we're pretty sure we can get this. I'm like, I just, like when they did my Captain Marvel boots, I got to see the leather first. Yeah. And I was like, we're golden. So that kind of stuff. Well, um, on, upon your suggestion, I mean, that's where I got my Star Trek boots. And oh yeah, just amazing. Yeah, just amazing. And yeah. like, oh, I get there and I see, oh, there's Bob, and there's Terry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, yep. They do great work. I, I yeah. really like them a lot. But uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, there's other places you can go to for those boots. I know uh, Ewan found a really good, great place that does um, some of his boots, and uh, they're I think down in Anaheim, and they sound great. I've heard nothing but good things. Um, so I can pass that info on to you. But um, anyways. Um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, fourth doctor, have you, have you ever, um, cause, and I get this and I remember the first time I ever did the fourth doctor and this is my, you know, like thrift store version of fourth doctor, but you know, whatever there were people going, can you do the voice? Can you do the voice? And I hadn't even prepared for it. So I'd be like, no, I can't. Now I can kind of have to do the voice, but I can never be as good as like John Culshaw. I mean, it, do you get that a lot? Uh, I do get that a lot and mm-hmm. I'm, and I have a much harder time with mm-hmm. it. Uh, I know I've, I've, I've worked on it for like, uh, it's lantern mm-hmm. a little bit more, especially since for the first time I was able to do, to do Tom for that this last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I have to kind of put myself in a mindset, like my personality get fit when I put the outfit on, my personality is there for Tom, mm-hmm. but the getting that voice is really tough. It's very tough. Um, and I have kind of a high voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's got that deep register. It's so hard. When Um, I hear guys who do it well, I'm just like, oh, how do you do that? Yeah. So it it takes practice, and I have to focus to kind of get my voice that low, which I can get it lower, but Mm -hmm. really got to, I really got to focus, and I don't, I don't, not all that proud of it. Mm -hmm. Um, I was sitting at a table, and it was WonderCon a couple years ago, and a guy was like, oh my god, you look just like, you just look just like him. Mm -hmm. If only you sounded like him, I could use you for this movie I'm shooting. I'm like, Mm -hmm. really? And part of me is almost like, you know, dude, why don't you just. ADR me then if it's really yeah. that important to you. But, yeah. And and I'm not saying that with a lot of practice, if like that's what you know, you spend months, mm-hmm. maybe years practicing how to do that, mm-hmm. then it couldn't be done. But that's a that's a lot of work. It is. For right now it is just, you know Yeah, when it should be fun. It should be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I, I've started picking up a bunch of nuances. The more you do it, and obviously the more that I, you know, continue to watch Tom and try yeah. and pick that stuff up. Um, yeah. But you do get a lot of that. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you sound like him. Mm-hmm. You. Yeah, yeah. Now I, I find whenever I do him or McCoy, I like the two weeks before I just have to play a lot of their episodes and just kind yeah. of just kind of almost repeat their lines back and try to mimic them. Yeah, I think Sasha would go mad if I was sitting there running Tom Baker all day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, my favorite is just to rip the audio and throw it in my car. Oh, that's pretty car. smart. Yeah, that's pretty smart. I could just mm-hmm. I could always just listen to my uh, Big Finish. Uh, and Big Finish, right? Yeah. Big Finish is a good way to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just like the episodes because you kind of know the lines. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Well, no one's gonna know a bunch of big finish lines, mm-hmm. um, and he's you know, and, and he'll say a couple of key things in mm-hmm. the big finish stuff. But yeah, you wanna you wanna do a bunch of lines. Um, like I was saying, because I did Tom for for Condor for one of their panels. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I was writing. I had a lot of his quotes mm-hmm. in my in my kind of presentation. Right, right, and kind of tweak them into like 
the things I was describing. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was really interesting. And like, ah, oh, there's just so many lines, so many good lines. Yeah. Yeah. And what I like about that is, you know how he delivers those. So they become like a re anchor for you to like, if you're kind of losing it, you go back to this line. Okay. I've got it again for a while. And you, yeah, that's why I envy anybody who has to do like a good, um, accent because you might know how the accent sounds with certain words certain phrases but to just have a conversation sooner or later you're gonna unless you're really well trained you're gonna lose it yeah you're gonna slip Mm -hmm. back to to your your own real accent versus Mm -hmm. what you're trying to pull off Mm -hmm. but if you you stick to basically the canon of the character and their Mm -hmm. language and their and their their sayings then Mm -hmm. you're, you're gonna stick closer to the how they sound but that's that's it's that's my biggest struggle is is to try and sound like him. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. The, I the look, uh, it was is easy and, and I'm lucky. But yeah, mm-hmm. the voice is tough. Yeah, voice is tough. Um, I mean, that's the case for a lot of these doctors. Actually, comes a point where I just realize, well, the majority of this lives in a photo. There's very mm-hmm. few people really getting video. So in that case, just make sure you get the pose, the body language, and the look. And hopefully the costume's doing the rest. Like I find Tom and Colin are the big two where the costume is doing like eighty percent of the work for you. Yeah. yeah. And if you have good makeup with Hartnell, maybe you could throw that in there too. But um, so anyway, uh, so with that in mind, uh, I'm gonna hop over to the third Doctor. Okay. Um, so what made you decide to go for the Time Warrior look? Um, I, I definitely wanted to do a, a Pertwee that most people weren't doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody was, I mean, it was pretty easy to do black or red or some of the more brighter colors. I love how you say it's easy when having done the red, it's not that easy, but okay. I'll tell you right now, um, I just went downtown shopping for mm-hmm. a suit for mm-hmm. um, my wedding. Okay. And I walked into a shop and there was, the whole wall was velvet coats in every color. Really? Yeah. Wow. I was like, really? Now I come down here and see this? Yeah. You could get any of Pertwee's colors, pretty much. It might not be the exact coat cut. Mm-hmm. and cut, but the colors were all there. And I was just blown away. I'm like, that's crazy. So if someone wanted to do a, you know, you know a pretty laid back Pertwee in whatever mm-hmm. color they wanted, mm-hmm. yeah. Just go downtown to where they sell the, like the suit area, mm-hmm. not the fabric district, the yeah, suit yeah, area. Yeah, I know what you mean. And go into a bunch of those stores and you'll find a ton of velvet smoking jackets. A ton. It's crazy. Do they have the frog closures? Uh, I didn't get that far because I, okay. cause I you know, had Sasha with me and I, I didn't I was like, I need to make this about us and not yeah, about okay. cosplaying. Okay. All right. And uh, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean I won't go back there someday and, and, and take a peek. Mm-hmm. But uh, just so you know. Duly noted. So uh, so you thought I'm gonna do the green jacket. Mm-hmm. I look good in green. So. green yeah, it's a cool yeah. jacket, yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, the one thing I always like about that coat that I mean I've seen other people kinda do the green, but it's always just kind of a green velvet jacket. What I like is you went custom, so you got the proper super hang gliding wide collar with the with the lapels uh-huh. and that super deep gorge. I just think that there's something so distinct about that you would never get in an off the rack jacket. And I'll I'll be honest with you, uh, my customer and I focused on that. Mm. The way to make obviously the way to make that different was to really make sure that you got that '70s lapel on mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. and that was key. And the, and and to have it lay the way that his would lay. Yeah, because it kind of like almost indented and kind of went out Mm -hmm. and uh yeah it was it was a huge focus to get that piece right Mm -hmm. and i think that he worked through it a couple times to actually get it right yeah no it it looks great and you scored that at uh michael levine's yeah yeah yeah. and and by accident Mm -hmm. i wasn't i was not down there looking for um 
that fabric at that time. Mm -hmm. I was uh, helping um, I was helping Sasha get some fabric, I think, for uh, a Ren Faire costume or mm -hmm. something like that. And uh, I just happened to be with my customer, and we were just kind of walking around. And I'm like, walked in the velvet section, and the, not at Michael Levine's, but across the street at the upholstery. Upholstery, right? Because so it's a little bit heavier of a of a velvet because it's it's actually furniture velvet mm -hmm. versus kind of a wearable velvet. And uh, I'm like, that's the green. <laughs> mm -hmm. I have to buy it now because <laughs> you never know if you'll see it again. Absolutely. Was it uh, was it a cotton velvet or? <sighs> I, you know, I, I couldn't even tell you, to okay. be honest with you. I was just curious, because most of the time, they're, they sh they, it's probably cotton velvets, because it doesn't, it doesn't have that, uh, again, it doesn't have that super sheen yeah. that the costume velvets does. It has that dull sheen. Yeah, and it does have that dull sheen, so you're, pro you're probably right. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, it's, oh, and by the way, with velvet, it's always important to make sure you get the velvet going the right way yeah. when you put your outfit together. Because mm -hmm. when, they, when they put together my coat, the, the pocket flaps, we had to turn them back around, because uh. they were made upside down mm -hmm. so it kind of like broke up the coat so we mm -hmm. had to remake the, the pocket flaps mm. well at least it was just the pocket flaps it wasn't like a sleeve absolutely or yeah, yeah. absolutely mm -hmm. but um yeah that uh that coat was just we were really particular with regards to getting that as close as possible mm -hmm. the shirt actually was harder yeah it's a pale green shirt right with yeah green, mm -hmm. well it's kind of cream pale yeah it's definitely not white but it's like how many ruffles are really in that shirt mm -hmm. and um and then all the ruffles have like uh, edge stitching yeah yeah mm -hmm. and so we're going through a ton of pictures is it on one side is it on both sides you know trying to figure it out mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. luckily we found enough photos to prove that the stitching was on both sides so mm -hmm. it made it easy and luckily he, he's like um and luckily with the you know the technology of cell, even cell phones like i was able to really you know getting close to some of these pictures and he could see that the the stitching because he thought it was a much thinner stitching he's like i don't know if i have a machine to get the stitching that tight he mm -hmm. goes oh wait it's really thick edging on all that those ruffles i can do that <laughs> so <laughs> so there, i mean those some of the problems that you have is you're trying to recreate stuff and you don't necessarily have the tools to be able to do that no it's true um, and at the end of the day, if you don't, you then approximate as best you can. Obviously. Or if you don't have the right photos to approve anything, you're just going to take your best guess and go, well, yeah. it's got the read. And yeah. move on with your day. And the pants was, you know, the, the pants, I think in some aspect, were really um, tough in that you really just couldn't tell what they were. Mm -hmm. Like, they're black pants, they're, they're charcoal pants. So we just got, we found a, a really nice wool that just black, and it had like a very... Can imperceptible pattern in it, so it mm -hmm. helped break it up a little bit. Mm -hmm. But you know, we just did our best approximation. Mm -hmm. It's got the nice boot flare at the bottom. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm actually just wearing my Star Trek boots currently for it. Yeah, which is what I do. I keep meaning yeah. to get Star Trek. It's so funny. I was just rewatching Day of the Daleks, and um, I was thinking to myself the other day, I'm like, I should just finally get some ankle boots for Pertwee because I, I know he did at some point. But then I was looking at his because there's a part where he's tied up. You get a really good shot of his shoes, and I'm like. Yeah, yeah, he's just wearing slip-ons. <laughs> he's just wearing these like slip-on loafers, and I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna go for that. I'm just gonna find those. So now I'm, I'm just, I screen crapped it, and that's, that's what I'm looking for for my Pertwee shoes because I thought they're bound to be more comfortable than yeah. Beetle boots. So yeah, um, and obviously the, you know the hardest part, and we talked about this with Tom. The hardest part about any of these costumes is just really the wig, uh, especially white wigs. Oh yeah, well with Pertwee it's tough because a lot of people go with what I call uh, the Clinton gray wig mm -hmm. or they go with something that's way too white. And that's, 
I guess if you're doing five doctors per tweet, you're probably okay. Yeah. But it's weird. No, he's got all kinds of weird shades. It is kind of like a... It's like gray, but it's almost kind of a pale blonde. It's yeah, especially in the pictures I was going off of. Yeah, like, you know, it's it, basically his. It's his hair turning, turning white. It is, yeah. So, um, so, but I was able to find a, a, a decent. I'm actually, I think it was a. I think I'm wearing a Marilyn wig that was mm-hmm. cut. We cut back. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can believe it. So, mm-hmm. um, there's just, but there wasn't enough depth down yeah. here for him. So we kind of, it's kind of curled under. Mm-hmm. And so, like, and like I was saying to you earlier, um, you know, it didn't the first time we rolled it out. It, you know, is overstyled, mm-hmm. um, and as as it sat on its head, and mm-hmm. I, I kind of kind of brushed it down a little bit. Now it looks like the second time I pulled him out for a WonderCon, he looked a lot better. I was much mm-hmm. happier with the pictures because mm-hmm. the first time I pulled him out was for Gallifrey. Right, like, it was super puffy, poofy. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it is season eleven. It was as yeah. poofy as in season yeah. eleven, but still, still. Uh, the uh, was it the revelation I liked is you figured out what the medallion thing was that he was wearing. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. pocket magnifier, mm-hmm. which was not an easy find. And I, you know, his was his was a lot more effeminate, probably a woman's um, pocket magnifier. Mm-hmm. Um, so finding a vintage or antique one is really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have what's kind of a, cl- a big clunky one that's actually really beautiful it's, it is vintage it's got mother of pearl on the top mm-hmm. um so it, it shows up really well for pictures yeah but it's certainly a lot bigger than yeah. the one he had mm-hmm. but i you know that doesn't bother me i think it's pretty cool it's a nice little accessory mm-hmm. since he didn't have it you know certainly like tom he doesn't have a ton of accessories no. you know other than his sonic mm. um and his fist well his, <laughs> and, and his hands keto, yeah yeah and uh so yeah, so it, it kind of ties that ties that in pretty nicely, and we had to make sure that you know the the coat opened low enough, and there was enough of the frills, and, yeah. then, and then just tie it so it hit properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, you know, I retie that every time so that you know hopefully it falls close to the same spot. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's a good piece. Oh, it's a great piece, and I, I'm I'm glad because for the longest time I I remember when I wasn't looking too hard, I thought is that the TARDIS key? I'm like, no, it's not the TARDIS key. What the hell is that thing? And yeah, I know a lot of people thought that, so I'm glad that that's sort of been solved now. Yeah, um, some of the promo shots show him looking through the the pocket magnifier, mm-hmm. so that's how I figured out it was because mm-hmm. you could see it. Oh, he had it open, and you can see it was the same exact shape of when it were, when it was you know up against him, mm-hmm. closed. So, yeah, yeah. No, luckily I found one that is very similar in the shape. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's a lot thicker, but it's it's pretty close. Yeah, no, it's very cool. And I, I assume you picked up the, uh, the Athena ring on eBay. I did. Mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. Um, after I borrowed yours. Oh, right. Yeah. Cause mine didn't come in in time. That's right. Yeah. Forgot about and that. I also have, I have both rings though mm-hmm. from the, from the promo shot. Cause he's got the, he's got that one band, which is, uh, uh, just a pure, or just a regular silver band mm-hmm. on one finger and the Athena ring on the other one. I always wonder what it is about some of these actors I see in the 60s and 70s are all about the pinky ring. Like yeah. The, yeah. Well, my father wore a pinky ring. Yeah. I, I, they must have been some status of being cool or something. I, I think so. Know. Yeah. yeah. And, my, yeah. My father always thought he was cool, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's what it seems like. It just seems like it was a thing. Though. And you don't notice it until you just notice certain shots of these actors doing stuff and all of a sudden their hands up here doing something and there's this big ring and you're like... The heck is up with that? Um, but the, all right, the watch was also a, a hard one to try and get close to. Now, didn't he have different watches? He did. Yeah, I, but getting the one that he had in at least the promo shots that I based from Time War Warrior that I was mm-hmm. trying to base the costume on, I'm like you know, they had the tachometers in there. And they, you know, I got I could see some of the base for it, and mm-hmm. and there was a lot of talk of it. Sometimes he had a silver band, sometimes he had a black band. Mm-hmm. So I was like trying to piece that together. So I got a really cheap, I think I got like. 24 buck watch that doesn't it 
doesn't run well, mm-hmm. but it looks good. Right. Like, God damn it, it won't keep time. I need to use it for time. Yeah, it won't yeah. keep time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, a buddy of mine in the UK found a really good match to his, I want to say, Spearhead watch. Yeah, I saw one on eBay yeah. that was the exact watch. Mm-hmm. And they were trying to sell it for like $300. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, first off, I don't need the Spearhead watch. Yeah. And second off, that's a lot of money for a watch. It, it is. It is. But cool that it can be found. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Now, I, I have a stand-in watch. I'm going to mean to replace it forever. But I need to rethink that. To be honest, on top of the red one, I'd love to do the rust, uh, I guess they call it the rust yeah. orange jacket. Um, that's a pretty, that's a pretty color. Yeah, it's great. But that's been a tough velvet to find. I haven't found anything that's really made me happy there. Well, maybe you should go downstown to that uh, maybe I'll, yeah. store and I, I gotta, take a look. I got to look for more flash stuff, so maybe <laughs> I'll, I'll look out there. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it's a very cool third doctor. Definitely not a, a variant you see very often. Um, between these, have you ever, uh, I like to ask this, have you ever been mistaken for somebody else in character? Like the people, like how I got the... Um, retarded Indiana Jones's brother one year with Tom <laughs> Baker, you know, because people just weren't clued in. Uh, someone, and I, I had to shake my head, literally last weekend, thought I was from the Harry Potter world. I was just like, really? Hmm. Okay. Just because of the scarf, huh? Just because of the scarf. Mm-hmm. I, they thought I was from Harry Potter. I mean, it kind of, it's really hard, to, you know, to not recognize Tom. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that gets the most confused is the Brigadier. Oh, for Graham Chapman. Oh, sure, sure. I get that. And yeah, I'm like, unit patch. Mm-hmm. You, and they're like, oh, who's mm-hmm. that? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So Tom, not so much. Um, either they don't know who Pertwee is mm-hmm. or they get who Pertwee is. There's, I think there's no in between there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I said, the Brigadier is the one that gets the most confusion. Well, I imagine with Pertwee, it's it's not so much qu- uh, quantity, it's quality. Like, the people who get it must be really like, oh my god, it's a Pertwee, because yeah. you just don't see a lot of Pertwees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think also, I mean, keeping in mind, you know, obviously, you know, Classic Who is not as familiar to people, you know, now as, as it was if we were dressing up, if we had these costumes back in the 80s. Yeah, true. Um, like, for instance, you know, I wore my Delgado mm-hmm. um, master to Comic-Con a couple of years, and I maybe get five people mm-hmm. who recognize me. Mm-hmm. The ones that do recognize me are like, oh my God, that's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I pretty much swore at this point that I, I'm never wearing my dugout master to anything else but a Doctor Who convention. Because it's just, I mean, you know, obviously you want to be appreciated for what you're wearing, but you want to be able to get that reaction. If you're not getting the reaction, yeah, it, it, it's great because you, you, you've, you've done that for yourself and I'm still, ha- I'm still enjoying wearing it, but mm-hmm. you want people to be able to enjoy what they're seeing. And if they think that you're not really wearing a costume, you know, because especially Delgado, because there's just not a lot to the, the Mandarin-looking outfit. Eh, yeah, it's true. Um, I mean, it, you make a great Delgado, but you're right. It's just, it's Nehru, black Nehru, black gloves. I mean, the, the TCE is probably the coolest yeah. part of the costume. Yeah. So, yeah, which is a cool prop. Mm-hmm. Was that also made by your friend who does the costumes, or you? Uh, no, no, that's made by. Um, I I have a as, as you all know we've talked about. I have a booth at the Renaissance Fair where we we do like period furniture and, mm-hmm. and games and toys. Uh, he's a actually a prop maker in the movie industry, so he's mm-hmm. worked on stuff for Star Trek, and he's actually worked on um, uh, Jack's Time Vortex Manipulator because oh, cool. um, he had to rebuild it because um, they took Jack's and gave it to River Song and changed it and didn't have a backup. So he had to recreate mm-hmm. Jacks for when they they went to either the new season at Torchwood or whatever they were doing. Or, mm-hmm. at Torch, Probably or Torchwood Day, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's worked on that stuff. He's he's very busy right now, actually working on a ton of stuff. Cool. It's for some reason you know 
I think I think the onset of Star Wars is bringing back the hey, let's go to real models again. Let's mm-hmm. use real props, and mm-hmm. that's that's great for that industry that's mm-hmm. been having a hard time with with CGI and sure. losing all their work. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, he built that, um, which was great. Mm-hmm. No, it's a, it's a great piece, and it's not something you think about because everyone thinks of the Ainley TCE. Yeah, yeah, and so, so did he when I told him about. It. I'm like, no, 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 not that one. Mm-hmm. This one. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, i'm currently using uh mach 2 because mach 1 broke oh so um the mach 1 was more um had a plastic casing and now i have a metal casing because mm. the plastic cracked the pvc cracked mm-hmm. and so then it just fell apart he's like this thing was like indestructible i'm like sorry <laughs> uh, <laughs> nothing's indestructible when you're cosplaying that's true sometimes it's just a zealous fan who doesn't know yeah mm-hmm uh, but that that's cool. So I take it the uh, the Delgado was that made from scratch, or did you actually find a native? No, that suit? one was totally made from scratch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I kind of I, I've got that kind of anal nature. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really tough, obviously, to go out there and, and if you, you know, you're, I mean, obviously, if you're if you're looking for stuff for like Matt Smith, mm-hmm. you can find a, you, know, you can get pretty close to getting the right tweed. Mm-hmm. If you sometimes you know, in, in a, I've heard of many people finding it off the rack in a, in a you know like a Goodwill or a thrift store. Mm-hmm. It's a lot harder to do with, you know, seventies. It is. Yeah. And, you know, we wanted, you know, and, and after Tom and how good that came off, I got a lot more anal with regards to getting my things as screen accurate as I possibly could get. Sure. So I wanted to make sure I had, we got the right, um, you know, trim for the, the sleeves mm-hmm. and, and, uh, you know, and just make it look as accurate as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. I mean, without, obviously having the costume designer remake it right <laughs> and inevitably running out of the real fabric you got to match as best you can oh my yeah. god yeah his, his but, shirts alone are oh, interesting challenges but anyways yes um then and with delgado uh and the brigadier you've introduced your shaving method for doing <laughs> doctor who characters yeah um basically i you know, i mostly plan my conventions by shaving down mm-hmm of course, Comic Con's throwing me for the loop this year yes. by having the Doctor Who panel earlier this mm-hmm. year, um, and uh, and the more popular the co- my cosplays get, and the more I kind of get asked to do things, mm-hmm. it's making it tougher and tougher to kind of schedule out which cosplays I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. So, like for my for my Delgado Master, I do own a fake beard and mm-hmm. a goatee and mustache, and for the Brigadier, I own a fake mustache because I know that there's going to be an opportunity like a Gallifrey this year mm-hmm. um, that uh, since I was doing Tom for his lantern that I was going to need to take off my Brigadier mustache. Yeah. And so I had to fake one because mm-hmm. I did, it was the, the last sequence right. of the show. So I had a fake one that I, I threw back on. Mm-hmm. So um, now I, I am now prepared with fake facial hair for those times where I can't just start by shaving down. So normally let's say, you know, the last few comic cons, like I start with, Delgado, mm-hmm. and then I go to the Brigadier, and then I go to Tom, mm-hmm. you know, and Tom and Perchway, I can pretty much do the same, because I'm crazy enough to keep my sideburns for most for most of the year now, and mm-hmm. I just don't get rid of them. Yep. So, because um, I, I know you use... Fake sideburns, because I can't grow good sideburns. Like, I'm looking at yours going, God, I just can't do that. Like, Well, nah. you know I dye them, because, I mean, I'm getting pretty gray there. So, mm-hmm. when, usually when a con comes around, like, I dye them the day before, so they really stand out mm-hmm. and match up to the wig better. Nice, nice. Because, um, yeah, unfortunately, I'm you know, getting gray, and, you know, if you're kind of trying to portray, you know, mm-hmm. them at their height, you need mm-hmm. to not be gray. 
Unless you're well, unless you're yeah. In which case, embrace the gray. <laughs> embrace the gray. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But th- at that point, I'm actually putting white into my sideburns, right. even though mm-hmm. my sideburns are a long frame. But I'm like, I'm not cutting them down because they're staying tom length. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I and I wear them for tom length, tom length for the brigadier, even though he doesn't wear them that long. Mm-hmm. You see, his his are like just closer mm-hmm. up to up to there, and Pertwee's are a little longer. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, year round, pretty much now, the sideburns are in place. Because I hate to have to try and grow them back. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. Um, so, uh, the Brigadier. The Brigadier. Um, the Brigadier is kind of, was my toughest and easiest at the same time. And I, I would have to say that I locked into him. Mm-hmm. Um, I had done as much research as I possibly could to find out exactly what you know, number four dress uniform down to the hat, down to the type of shoes to the 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 oh god, my brain's blanking on his uh, um, on his belt. Um, uh, you know, his Browning not, uh, nine millimeter mm-hmm. high powered Browning, um, not the revolver because you could kind of do it. I was I was I was shooting for him at robot, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what I came across. Gosh, you and Scott robot man. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it was. I mean, it really had just about. Every piece of his number four dress uniform in it, mm-hmm. from his leather gloves to, I mean, when he was in his dress uniform, because mm-hmm. he would go obviously back and forth between his field uniform, which a lot of people do, because mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to do. Because mm-hmm. even I own, I own one of those sweaters, but it's got a corporal stripes on it right now, mm-hmm. um, to, um, you know, to his dress uniform, which sometimes he brought into the field like he did in a robot, mm-hmm. which kind of was weird. Mm-hmm. But um, Sam Brown belt, by the way. Yeah. Sam okay. Brown belt. Um, so I was, I mean, you could get a few reproductions of some of that stuff, but most of that stuff is vintage. Mm-hmm. So I spent almost six months daily going online to eBay uh, and looking. Mm-hmm. And I came across one um, uh, eBay auction that was a full number four dress uniform. And approximately they looked like my size. Mm-hmm. It came with okay. This is this is why I said it almost became easy. It had the pants. Mm-hmm. It had the coat. Mm-hmm. It had the shirt. It had the tie. It had two hats. It had the shoes. It had the gloves. All in one. Wow. And so I'm like bidding on it, going, someone's got to be bidding on this. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the, the, so the, and like I said, the, the sizes were approximate. I'm like, those are pretty close. I'm like, first I had to ask my customer. They're all in metric system. Does mm-hmm. this even match up to what I'm wearing? He's like, mm-hmm. it's pretty close. So um, so I'm like, all right, I'm expecting three, four, five hundred dollars to buy this entire setup. Right. You know, it, and it's, from, it's coming from the UK, so it's yeah. eBay UK. Mm-hmm. And I think I got the whole kit and caboodle, including shipping, for ninety eight dollars. So like nobody was bidding. Nobody on bid on it because there weren't any sizes in the outfit. Mm-hmm. It was he, the guy who had the auction up said, "I'm about these sizes and it fits me." Mm-hmm. So it was just an, kind of a very approximation. I'm like this is too close not to try. Sure, sure. And so I mean, I'm, I must have put in some gigantic bid, and and like I said, I just I lucked out and mm-hmm. got it pretty much almost the whole outfit for ninety eight dollars, mm-hmm. and you know, it came over and like great. Everything, we didn't barely had to take anything in. Mm-hmm. Um, so all I, you know, I got myself some some you know 
army green socks to wear with the shoes. The shoes even fit. I mean, it was it was it was miraculous. Wow. We had to let the hat out a little bit because whoever this person was who mm-hmm. had this uniform had the smallest head, and I have a small head. Mm-hmm. But the size inside the hat said six and seven eighths. That is a tiny hat. <laughs> yeah. I wear seven and a quarter. That's a tiny head. Mm-hmm. So we, he, you know, my customer was able to let that out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So then I sourced, you know, the the epaulets. I sourced the the pins. I sourced the 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 brigadier um, patch. patch. Mm-hmm. Um, he matched up the fabric to the, the cord, you know, and put that into the hat because that wasn't in the hat. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the unit patches made, which I have a ton of them left over for, for when we need to put together that classic unit troop. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, I luckily found a leather um, swagger stick, mm-hmm. which is great. Um, I just really lucked out, but it is seriously... All- I would say other than things I had made on, oh, and I had to research the ribbon bar, right? Which right. is, which is TV accurate, mm-hmm. which the guy who made the ribbon bar sent me the ribbons for the ribbon bar says, you know, this is not historically accurate to any campaign. I said, that's not the point. <laughs> 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 the point is to be accurate to the TV show, which obviously he did not have an accurate ribbon bar. That's okay. Mm. I have his ribbon bar now. All right. So, um, so, so, but, <laughs> but is it seventies or eighties dating on that though? See, there, there you go. There's the... But yeah, but they're all based on, on campaigns. No, no, I know. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so yeah, so, um, yeah, but we made those, we took all the ribbons and made the, the bars, which mm-hmm. was, which was challenging for my customer because most of that was done on back, Buckram back then. And so, um, the guy who does the ribbon bars we got for us says, I only do them on pins, which mm-hmm. is modern. So it's solid. I'm like, no, it needs to be flexible. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, my customer got some buckram and, and trial and error to get it to be that way. Mm. So I have a couple of those ribbon bars left over too. So <laughs> uh, now for the Sam Brown belt, was that just another eBay find? Uh, yeah. mm-hmm. The Sam Brown belt was an, an eBay find. Um, the, uh, like I said, I had the unit patches made. Mm-hmm. I, just, I designed them online, you know, I'm with the computer with the font uh, as, as a close approximation as we could. And then I had a uh, patch maker make a lot. I, we, my customer helped me. We found the felt, but we had to dye the felt to the color. Mm-hmm. And I sent that felt to the the patch maker to be embroidered. Mm-hmm. So that was that was definitely you know, and here's where I started doing a little bit more towards costumes. Where okay, here I'm helping to design for the patch. I'm doing the research for the for the ribbons. Um, you know, I, I mean, I basically sourced out almost the whole costume at mm-hmm. that point. And obviously, I didn't make it, but obviously, I spent a lot of time sourcing all the pieces for it. Yeah. Whereas yep. normally, my I would you know, my customers like. He had told me from initially, he's like, I'm not making this for you. Just go source it because you're going to find vintage stuff and it's going to cost you a lot more. Mm-hmm. Well, she saved me a, a very pretty penny mm-hmm. to source it versus not. And now I can say when I'm walking around and people like, oh my, you know, when they, when they realize it's the Brigadier and I get great reactions from the Brigadier too, mm-hmm. unless they think I'm Graham Chapman, right. um, that they're, they're blown away by the accuracy of it. And like, of course it's accurate because it's actually vintage a vintage outfit that mm-hmm. I kind of piece together and then put the, the added pieces together. So I found a replica, you know, high power Browning. Um, it took a while for me to find the holster for it mm-hmm. to, that would fit it. So I actually ended up with a, a couple extra holsters from world war two. Um, I found a replica one, um, from like Turkey that fit it mm-hmm. and I had to go and I dyed it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, cause it came like really like, light 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 brown so it wasn't matching my my sam brown belt so and it, and it, and it took a lot it took probably about four or five times to get that brown dye to soak in through that because it was sealed, it was pretty much sealed and i wasn't gonna unseal it so i really needed to get it to soak 
in. It was what canvas or leather? What no, it's it? leather. Okay. Wow. Yeah, his web belting had the 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 canvas web belting mm-hmm. one, but that's for the the field outfit, not mm-hmm. the. Mm-hmm. So. Well, it's a darn fine brigadier. Thank you very much. Um, very, very proud of it. Yeah, no, it, it, it looks phenomenal. Um, has, did John Levine get to see you in it? John Levine did get to see me in it. And he, 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 I think his eyes kind of lit up a little bit. And he's like, that is a damn good brigadier. <laughs> and, and I really wish Nick was still alive. I know. Really, you know I, I've met, I met him a couple times, but I, you know, I really would have just loved to have had him seen it so that he could appreciate mm-hmm. the fact that I appreciated him. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but he said that it was a damn good brigadier. <laughs> <laughs> as he should, as he should, man. Yeah. There's all, there's always a lot of love for the brig. It's funny because most of the military guys in doctor who are kind of putzes, but the brig is the one guy where we're all like, ah, the brig, the brig is great. We still haven't had like a replacement good brigadier on doctor. Who. I like Bambera, but we just had, we, even in the new show, they haven't really, yeah. Yeah. You think they would work on that? I suppose Jack sort of that torch. That's torch. It's not unit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so stepping, sidestepping universes. Tell me about the uh, Star Trek Doctor Starfleet crossover. Yeah, um, I decided that uh, you know I, I own a bunch of Anavos costumes. Um, you know, I own a, a, a Command Kirk and a, a, a scientist Spock, mm-hmm. and um, I was at the. Star Trek Vegas con. And, um, I was mostly wearing the doctor while I was there because I'm like crossover Mm -hmm. and people who like Star Trek tend to like doctor who that's true. So I was walking around, I had my next gen communicator on my, my scarf Mm -hmm. and, and and people were loving it. Um, that night they were having, um, their costume contest and they are also, also doing their, um, trying to get the, Biggest, break the Guinness World Record for having the most uh, yeah. Star Trek costumes. Mm-hmm. So um, at that point, I'm like, okay, I'm going to switch over into Star Trek so I could get in, get into that and be part of that. Unfortunately, they messed up the rules. and What? We, they, even though they said that they, they broke the record, Guinness book didn't recognize they broke the record. Oh, wow, because yeah. I remember being there for that. Yeah, so. you were, but they didn't end up recognizing it. I think they broke it the next year. <laughs> they Obviously, they didn't. There, there's something that they did wrong, so Guinness refused to acknowledge mm. that they they broke it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I was doing that, and and you know I was interacting with people who didn't even realize I was the doctor earlier in the day, mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, I'm gonna take my blue sciences uniform and and do my what if the doctor was stuck in the Star Trek universe? And so I took my wig and I took my hat and I took my scarf mm-hmm. and I put on my Star my Star Trek uniform and I went there as basically the fourth doctor in blue sciences. Yep. And it got mixed reactions. Mm -hmm. It got like, that's pretty (laughs) cool. You still look like Tom. Yeah. Because the scarf Mm -hmm. um, to why would the doctor be wearing that? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, you know what? This is, this is, you know, and I would think that, you know, I mean, obviously we're at a Star Trek convention. Mm -hmm. So, you know, why shouldn't I try and mash up some two fandoms? Right. I, I mean, they had the Star Trek Doctor Who comic book already. Right. So it kind of created sort of a canon in that, you know, that was already created. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were plenty of fan fiction stuff back in, when in I was day. much younger. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, 
certainly like some of some of the people who could really appreciate it, appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I think some people who are just, you know, had their nose up at it, just had their nose up at it. But those, I mean, those people certainly didn't bother me. And, you know, and people were just like, what are you doing? And some people were calling me Dr. Spock. And I'm like, that, that's great, but that's not what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I was, I was pretty clear. Like, you know what? I, I just coming up with this whole fictional, you know, what if the, the doctor lost his TARDIS and was stuck in the Star Trek universe? What mm-hmm. would he do? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, yeah, you're going to join Starfleet because, well, one, it sounds like a lot of fun to have the doctor on a starship really just not following regulations. Yeah. And two, he, that's his only way to get around. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to want to get stuck on Earth or Vulcan or any single planet. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I can totally see and that. So that's kind of where that came from. And I, I, it, it played really well at the Star Trek convention. Um, and I've, I think I rolled it out for a few minutes at Comic-Con, I think last year. And it went over okay. But mashups are, are becoming more popular. They're they're tough. Some people are into it when it's more of a comedy mashup, like when I see the uh, what is it like the Vegas Boba Fett or yeah. whatever, or Vegas Stormtrooper. Um, those seem to work. There, there was like a whole pimped out superhero crew at Big Wow recently, yeah. and they went down really well. So when it's stuff like that, yeah. Well, so now there's like the, the bombshell mm. superheroes, right. and, and mm. even but even mashing up like we talked about like steampunk Iron Man. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some really good ones out there, and there's some really not so good ones out there. But mm-hmm. you know, hey, at least it's people being creative and and taking multiple fandoms and squeezing them together. Mm-hmm. Like I actually, have, I've got I've got a mashup. I'm I'm thinking about doing a Doctor Who Doctor Doom Sith. <laughs> I like it. At some point, mm-hmm. it's it's on my you know it's on my list of things that I would like to try. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. Um, so, uh, so let's, so let's round out, uh, finishing out in Comic-Con style with, uh, Dr. Strange. Yeah. Dr. Strange is my first kind of, other than, you know, Star Trek and my Renfair stuff, like really changing my, my genre cosplay. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, he still has doctor in his name. So. Right. So, <laughs> so it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, it was, it was a struggle. I mean, cause I, I mean, I grew up a lot with comic books. I have a huge comic book collection. I stopped collecting back in the nineties when I felt like the stories were going really in a bad way. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of glad I stopped reading at that point in time, but I still always loved the genre. Mm-hmm. And now that obviously Marvel and, and DC are, are you know, it's mainstream now. Um, I'm enjoying watching a lot of things that I read, like the daredevil net Netflix series, just really, just really reminded me of my comic books so well. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great. Um, I wanted to pick a character that I felt like I could pull off. I mean, Doctor Strange actually wasn't one of my favorite characters. It was really, for me at the time, a really tough comic book to read. Mm-hmm. Um, some of that mystic stuff just kind of just going over my head. Sure. Um, but, you know, I'm not super in shape. Well, not a lot of cosplayers are. That's but true, okay. but you know, when you're when you're playing a superhero, though, yes. and you're getting in tights. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, you should know, you know, that you, that you have to kind of take some of that into consideration. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm like... And I do like being similar in physical shape to some of the characters that I play. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean I'll never play characters that I don't look like. You know? Right. But um, I felt like I could pull off a good Doctor Strange in facial expression and, and look and mm-hmm. facial hair. Um, it didn't seem like a, a huge stretch. Well, I mean, the Delgado was kind of a dry run for it. So. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I'm like... And I thought, you know, obviously there's so many iterations of Doctor Strange now. 
um, from that was a classic Kirby to the more modern. Mm-hmm. And I had started playing this cosplay before they had talked about doing a Doctor Strange movie. Mm-hmm. I just finished it when they announced that, literally announced that, that Benedict Cumberpatch was going to be playing Doctor Strange because I, I premiered it at Kamikaze and literally like the day before Kamikaze they announced it and I'm like, good oh, timing. Great. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people, I, when I walked in with him, were like, ah, oh, Benedict, I'm like, go away. <laughs> <laughs> just go away. Can't you just appreciate the fact that I'm Doctor Strange? I don't care about Benedict Cumberpatch right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it was it was a nice change. And let me tell you, not having all those layers was kind of nice, too. <laughs> Indeed. It looks very blousey, right? It's, it's extremely blousey. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're talking about light fabrics. Um, you know, I got a cape. Mm-hmm. Capes are cool. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, the... I felt very tactile because there's a lot of tactile fabrics mm-hmm. in in the in the in a comic book character, but I felt like we focused really well on on that that Kirby era mm-hmm. and really got the essence of it because it's really difficult to come up with something that you don't really get to see on the screen per se. It's coming out of a comic book. There's interpretation. Oh yeah, I mean to get the what I call that weird black bubble effect on the, uh, the yeah gloves, on the yeah. gloves. I mean that's just literally um, finger paint, <laughs> black finger paint. Literally, you were just they you know, and it came across pretty good. There's some things that I mean, it rolled out. It was basically it's a trial run. It, mm-hmm. it actually went back into the shop because it had a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, like my red cape was pretty much running all over the place not in color so like my yellow gloves were turning red oh wow. just because i was rubbing it up against the coat the, mm-hmm. little, the inside lining of my cape so i'm like oh, that's a problem mm. and and just sort of the 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 trim wasn't sitting right off my shoulders oh for the collar no the collar was sitting up good mm-hmm. it was actually that black and gold trim that runs down the sides and oh, runs yeah. down the edging mm-hmm. it just wasn't sitting right coming up off the off the uh off the cape. Mm-hmm. And then um, we built the harness a little too high. There's a harness underneath to hold that cape on. Mm-hmm. So it was it was literally cut up at like right underneath my rib cage. I'm like, Ooh. you know, it needs to be like a full harness down to at least down to my waist. Mm-hmm. That way, you know, because I'm like, I kept doing the Picard move. Yeah. Just try to pull it down so mm-hmm. that it would get back into place. So like I said, yeah, it's currently got some, some reworking in. But uh, my friend Dave, who built my um, uh, TCE, built the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, which is great, and it's just it just connects to the thing with snaps, just snaps right onto the oh, that's onto nice. the cape, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a little malfunction that like before I ever got to the con because I had snapped it on, I was trying to pull it off, and it was on there so good it fell and then broke off one of the pieces on the eyes, so we had to glue it back on. So, mm-hmm. it was, so a little malfunction going into the into the into the first time, and uh, you know, but it was fun. It was like obviously one of the most comfortable outfits I got to wear. Biggest problem. No place to carry anything. Yeah. It's a problem with no, superheroes. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I have no place to put my wallet mm-hmm. or a phone or anything. You literally need a handler when you're when you're being a superhero. Mm. Depends on the superhero, but yes. Yeah. But I mean, speaking. you know, I mean, you can carry around a bag and then put it down every time you take a picture or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, luckily, um, the Ren Fair I was running had a booth at Kamikaze. So I literally set my bag there and just went out and I mm-hmm. literally had my, I carried around my camera in mm-hmm. my hand. Mm-hmm. And so I was just put it behind my back yeah. and I was taking pictures and mm-hmm. not, you know, but I, you know, I was able to come up with some cool poses. I felt like I was really doing a good job of, of, of encapsulating that character. No, I, I completely agree with that. You definitely had great facial expressions for yeah. Doctor Strange. Yeah. 
and uh, but but it was a lot of fun. And uh, and the reason I really picked Doctor Strange, and I didn't even get into that, is that I have a group of friends that are trying to put together an Avengers group. Nice. And so I was looking, I was looking through all the Avengers of which one I wanted to do. I'm like, oh look, Doctor Strange is an Avenger. Mm-hmm. I can pull off Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. And so I mean, I really did get into it. So uh, I it was all fun. And of course, now the Doctor Strange movies come out, and I'm like, do I do a screen accurate one when the movie comes to probably. <laughs> depending on what choices they make but depending on what choices they make mm. definitely like if they just go with a suit that'll make it really easy but mm. really boring <laughs> yeah i hope they come up with something cool yeah um do you so would that be um what happened with strange would that be your worst costume malfunction that's happened um yeah i mean i've had some buttons pop off of the brigadier that t- tends to be the brigadier's biggest problem is that like there's a lot of st- Act, like there's a lot of movement going on so that sand brown belt comes up across mm-hmm. uh, and over the shoulder and so it catches the buttons occasionally and mm-hmm. just pop one off wow. so i've got my cosplay repair kit you know mm-hmm. now uh which i got for christmas from sasha and <laughs> so that goes to the con now everywhere and, and normally i'll I, you know for tom and for and for the brig it's usually a button um i did retire my first scarf that i wore for tom mm-hmm. um, the one my grandmother made for mm-hmm. a more accurate one mm-hmm. that sasha made um because one i didn't want to wear my grandmother's to death mm-hmm. and, and that was the upgrade i'm like okay it's about to, i've got everything else looking really really good the scarf is a little bit off mm-hmm. okay it's a lot off mm-hmm. um so the upgrade was really nice mm-hmm. um the master didn't master is kind of pretty simple it doesn't you really can't go terribly wrong um the hardest part for Pertwee, I think, is the um, his Inverness. Oh yeah, because it's a big coat. One, it's heavy, it's warm. Um, the lining makes it slide a lot, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it doesn't like to stay in the right spot. Yeah. So I mean, that's not really a malfunction. That's just a that's just a costuming thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so. Strange has had the most costume malfunctions, which is why it's kind of gone back into the shop for, you know, version two. Or some, and I'm hoping to roll him back out for Comic-Con this year. Cool. That's where I really would like to, to get him back out. Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. Uh, what, what's been your favorite convention? My, I, would, I would have to say that, um, obviously, conventions are certainly, each one is very different. Mm-hmm. And I get different things from different ones, like... I obviously really enjoy going to Gallifrey because you really get to show off the who stuff, the who stuff. Mm-hmm. And you got people who strictly are going to appreciate that. Um, I love, I love San Diego comic-con only because of the sheer mass of people. I don't mm-hmm. like actually having to go through the crowds of it, but just, you get such a selection of really good costumes mm-hmm. to look at. And there's just, you, you never, you, you know, you're missing stuff yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. You see those pictures later because there's just always tons of pictures always. online, mm-hmm. but um, there's just so much going on. Um, that I, I, I do enjoy it. What I, I mean, what I don't enjoy about cons is waiting online. Obviously, yeah. that's what I hate about San Diego Comic-Con, mm-hmm. especially for the Doctor Who panel. And I, I'm never going to stay out overnight for one again. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think those right now, um, I think I really actually enjoy WonderCon more than I enjoy San Diego Comic-Con mm-hmm. because you have the ability to move around. It might not be as big um, media stars and, and just stars in general, mm-hmm. but there's been more space to walk around. There's been more space to interact with your friends, other cosplayers doing pictures. Um, and the environment seems a little bit more low key. Um, so it makes it like, makes it breathable. Oh yeah. San Diego comic con is just sheer mass. Yeah. 
So I would say WonderCon and, and Gallifrey are right now my, my two favorite cons. I can go with that. Um, so what, yeah, what's the most important thing you've learned in this hobby? Um, pretty much be true to yourself. Do what you want. Don't let anybody tell you that you're, that you're doing something wrong. You know, if you want to go out there and, and, and whatever Tom Baker cosplay you want to be in, it's okay to go ahead and do that. Mm-hmm. And you should feel good about it. Mm-hmm. Whether you, you put it together yourself from stuff you find at a thrift store or you made it by a customer, you know, it's all good. Mm-hmm. Um, and just really just to enjoy yourself and enjoy and, and, and take heart in that you are helping keep a genre alive of things that you're passionate about. Sure. And as long as people keep doing that, you know, Doctor Who will live on forever. You know, Star Trek will live on forever. Mm-hmm. As long as there's fans for it, as long as fans are, are passionate and, and kind of giving it their all. Oh, for sure. Yeah. No. Words to live by. Um, do you have any uh, advice for customers out there? Um, well, if you don't have the skill like me mm-hmm. to make your own costume and you can afford to have a costume made, that's great. Um, but I've seen some great cosplayers put stuff together from thrift stores. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't want people to be intimidated by lack of skill or lack of money. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I save my pennies to put my costume together. And, you know, I, you know, I don't have a, you know, a huge you know, trust fund to put, pull, you know, costumes out of my hat. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, certainly I, you know, I, I take that extra step by trying to, you know, have them well made and have them hold up. But I've seen some really great cosplays out there, just people throwing stuff together by things they find. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that they should not be intimidated. Intimidation is, is a bad thing for cosplaying. It is. Um, you could argue part of that's just human nature whenever you look at, oh my gosh, how am I going to do that whole costume? But I always argue, break it down. You know? Yeah, I think that if, um, you know, like you said, they break it down, they take it one little thing at a time. Mm-hmm. I mean, don't put the pressure on you. I mean, if you feel like you're not getting something together in time, it doesn't necessarily need to come out, come out for a specific convention. Mm-hmm. You know? You're, you're, you're just as... You have just as much fun if you go put on, you know, your Spider-Man T-shirt to mm-hmm. a convention as you will if you kind of put on a costume because mm-hmm. you're going to see great costumes. You're going to meet new people. Mm-hmm. Um, but take the time to do it the way you want to do it. Mm-hmm. And if it takes a little longer because you haven't found all the right pieces, either you know, put together what you have and go, or you know, wait. It's not the end of the world to wait for the next con you go to. Sure, very true. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me online on Facebook at Geek Regeneration, on Twitter at Geek Regen. I can't believe I couldn't get the whole word out there. Um, <laughs> also on Instagram at Geek Regeneration. Uh, websites under construction, which is geekregeneration.com. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, well, any final thoughts? Um, I'm finally glad we got to do this. Yes. I'm sure we could do this for many, many more hours. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I'm looking forward to collaborating on some stuff with you which we won't get into here uh all right yes of course and uh and looking forward to comic con and, yeah. and some cool stuff that should be happening there uh among them peter capaldi making his debut absolutely mm-hmm. yeah i'm looking forward to that absolutely. and uh jenna is obviously going to be there mm-hmm. which is which is cool and uh yeah and especially since they skipped the panel last year i know it was really bizarre Very but strange. it's back this year mm-hmm. hopefully with a vengeance <laughs> <laughs> electric boogaloo yeah <laughs> um all right well andrew thank you so much for being on thank you so much bob all right and we'll be back next week with more shop talk here on costume station zero